Hello, welcome back to the Sports Roundtable podcast. Um, my name's Bella Johnson. I'll be taking over this semester for Nick Lundberg. And here today, I am with my guests, Brendan Chabat and Jenna Malinowski. If you guys want to introduce yourself, you can go ahead and do that right now. Yeah, uh, I'm Brendan Shabath. I'm the sports director here at Impact, and uh, this is a fun, collaborative podcast that the state news and Impact have done uh, last semester. Nick did a great job with it. We had a lot of good guests on here. I was on here a couple times uh, talking Michigan State sports with Nick. It's always fun to work with student journalists from other organizations. You know, I, I feel the pity and know what everybody goes through at Impact, but I don't have the same experience that state news people have. So it's fun to get to work with you guys and, and, and share a space like this to talk about Michigan State sports. It's always a good time. Yeah, it's fun to be here. This is my first time as well, so I'm happy to be here with you guys and work with Impact. Um, it's okay, Bella. No one ever gets my last name right. So <laughs> Did I get it wrong? Just a little bit, but you're good. Okay. Um, my name is Jenna Malinowski. Um, I'm the sports editor at State News. This is my first semester of doing that, so I'm excited to be doing that and be here with Impact today. Yeah, so it's been a little bit since the Sports Roundtable podcast has been updated just because of winter break and everything, um, so lots been happening with everybody. Um, I thought first we could jump into a little bit of men's basketball. They obviously had a tough loss a few days ago to Indiana, um, which moved them to 5-4 and four in the Big Ten, 13-7 overall. Um, there were some great moments, especially at the beginning, and towards the end it kind of just fell off. I mean, what did you guys think when you were watching the game? Yeah, so we at Impact actually were lucky enough to go down there to Bloomington for the game, and we broadcasted that game, and A.J. Evans, our sports editorial assistant, wrote the recap. Um, and one thing that kind of stood out to me from that game is the theme this year for Michigan State basketball has been starting slow. They did it against Rutgers. They did it against Purdue. Um, and they were able to, and, and against Purdue, get back in that game and ultimately lose, but against Rutgers, get back and win. <coughs> Excuse me. But against Indiana, they started fast really well in, in a hostile environment, one of the best places in college basketball to play, uh, if you're a Hoosier at least. And they started off really well and had a good first half and then ended up losing that game more and more as it went on. So it was close for a minute, and Indiana came back, and then it was back and forth, and then Indiana ran away with it in the end. And I asked uh, head coach Tom Izzo about that after the game. Like, you know, the whole theme has been starting slow, but you guys – got to start fast today and still lost like is is that a little bit deflating mm -hmm. and he said no he knows why they lost and what they did wrong it's just and he was almost redeemed by the fact that they had a fast start but for Michigan State the the big thing is they just need Malik Hall to be back as soon as possible um and not just back on the court but back at 100 percent because when he came back from the injury the first time you could still tell he wasn't quite all the way there he couldn't cut the same he couldn't uh, do the same things on offense that he used to be able to do. Um, and so this is a team that you can't really judge without Malik Hall. They're so different and so much more versatile and just playing better when he's playing um, that, it you know, those are the results you really take into account. These results without Malik are really hard to judge because you can't, you can't help it. You know, you don't want to play the hypothetical game in sports too often. But you can't help but look at a game like Indiana or a game like Purdue and think, what if Malik Hall's there? You know, how does this game go differently? Um, and I'm sure Michigan State feels that way right now, but they just got to get him back. Yeah, and definitely having getting Jaden Akins back. I know Coach Izzo said recently that he's back to just about 100%, and that helps a lot, but there's only so much that they can do without a full roster. 
And I think that um, Jackson Kohler's really had the minutes. I think he's been able to help and step up a lot. But again, Malik Hall is a leader on the team, and he is so crucial to the game. And you can see how different they play when he's in it. Yeah, being without Malik, I think, has just been just destroying the confidence that they have right now. Because, I mean, honestly, when I got to college, I was kind of shocked he was still here because I thought he was so much older. He just played so beyond his years. So being without uh, him is a losing veteran leadership. And I'm sure still off the court, that's still there. But not having it on the court has been really detrimental, I think. Um, and I know they said, too, that the other guys are having to pick up the minutes, Joey, AJ, Tyson, and they just – yeah, I mean, as much as they're doing, as much as they can do, but Izzo said himself, I'm pretty sure, it was he was talking about it yesterday, is that they just, you know, you can't play a full 60 minutes. You know, you need time for rest, and they just don't aren't have that time for rest without Malik. Yeah, and even at the moment, Purdue's the only Big Ten team ranked in the AP Top 25, and they're one, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, they're first ranked. And if you look at the, the rest of the Big Ten standings, it's all, like, Five, four, six, three. Like all the other teams are on top of each other, and Purdue is the the one standing leader at the top. Everybody else is just kind of going after each other, and it, that makes those games exciting to watch. But it is hard to kind of see what's going to happen towards the end of the year. Right, and Tom has always talked about that. That you know, the Big Ten has had maybe better years where more teams have been ranked in the top ten. I mean, even recently, you know, a couple of years ago in the COVID season, at one point, Michigan State was ranked number three in the country. And there were three or four Big Ten teams in the top ten of the AP rankings. Um, but this year, you know, is what he's talked about, and I kind of agree with it. It might be the deepest and the best the Big Ten really has been, one through 14. Obviously, Minnesota stands out at the bottom. But just above them, it's been a crazy flux of Iowa's at 13, and now Maryland, and now Illinois and Indiana. But then Indiana wins three games in a row, and Michigan State was second, and then they were sixth, and now they're third or whatever. And so, like like Michigan, for example, they are squarely right now not in the NCAA tournament if it started today, but they're second in the Big Ten. Like, it's just they've just been beating each other up, and it makes it really fun, and it's redeeming for a team like Michigan State who should be competing at the top and has dealt with some injuries, has dealt with some tough losses that they shouldn't have. They shouldn't have lost to Northwestern at home. They probably should have beat Illinois on the road being up by nine. You can argue they should have beaten Purdue if they don't start slow. But – it's redeeming for a team like Michigan State to know that if they can get right and maybe just get a hinge above some of these other teams, they can rattle off four or five wins in a row and put themselves in a good spot. Maybe not to win the Big Ten with how good Purdue has been already. I think they pretty much have it locked down. They're going to be the regular season champion. But if you can be Michigan State and get yourself within the top four seeds, you get a bye in the first round of the Big Ten tournament, you know, you can be in a good spot to be locked into the NCAA tournament and maybe make some noise and move up a seed line or two uh, in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, and then um, I'm going to transition over a little bit, keeping with the basketball theme, but over to women's basketball. Um, they just beat Rutgers at home um, by a pretty large margin, but they had a skid of some pretty close losses to some really highly ranked team. They've been playing some really good people, some really good players, Um uh, games like Iowa, Maryland, Michigan, the, they were all in the running for those games for most of it until right up until the very end. And Jenna, I know um, you're a women's basketball fanatic. Do you want to talk a little bit about what they've been doing recently? Yeah, so I actually covered the team last year for the state news, and 
Um, and they were very injury-plagued, obviously, last year, having missed Tori Osmond and J- Julia Arod all season and then just having people in and out, especially Moira Joyner with her concussions. But, I mean, this year I can really see, even though that they're not like winning those close games right now, they definitely have been making some progress because last year those games weren't close. Mm-hmm. Like they have brought it up to a new level. They're not at the level where they're winning those games yet, and that could you know be turnaround this season. But last season they weren't winning those games. So, and I think you know they still are injury plagued. Gabby Elliott tearing her ACL, but I mean just the fact that they that they have won by such a large margin over Rutgers, I, I don't think they would have done that last year. And the fact that they are, you know, keeping it close with Iowa, Michigan, or not as close with Michigan, but Iowa, you know, taking down number four, Indiana, that's not something that they would do last year. So I really think that they are taking the next step to get past where they were last season. They have some more steps to take before they can get to where they're in the NCAA tournament level. But I think that they, this recent um, couple of games has proven that they are at a different level than they were last year. I I think that's a really good point, too, because a lot of, fans and coaches and even athletes don't like to take moral victories especially in losses too and in losing seasons and this isn't a losing season currently for Michigan State but who knows with the way the rest of it goes um but at some point you have to look at the moral victories and I think that's a really good point that the fact that the close games last year were against the unranked teams in the middle of the pack Big Ten teams and now they're you know handling those teams like they should for the most part and competing more closely with the best teams in the country. I mean, Caitlin Clark, the best player in the country, was here in East Lansing, and Michigan State gave her everything she could handle. Um, and, you know, Wisconsin, they they had one of the best freshmen in the country have her career best game. She might never have a game like that in the next four years. Um, and it was a close game. Now, Wisconsin's at the bottom of the Big Ten, and that's a game Michigan State probably should have won. But uh, the fact that they are close in some of these games where you're right last year and maybe in previous years – Um, with this kind of same team that they have. Um, The fact that they're in those games now does say a lot to the improvement in the offseason, the adversity to deal with the injuries that they've had, um, and kind of their their player development. I mean, it can't go unsaid that Susie Merchant is, you know, she's underrated, in my opinion, as one of the best coaches um, in all of women's college basketball. Obviously, names like Gino Ariema and Terry Morin and, and stuff like that come up, but Susie has had one losing season in 27 years and one season where she finished right at 500. That's 25 winning seasons, half a century or or a quarter of a century of winning seasons in in college basketball. That's not easy to do, especially at the Division I level, and many of those have come at Michigan State at the Big Ten level, one of the best conferences for college basketball. So, you know, you don't want to take too many moral victories, but they are – more competitive this year, and I think they're more fun. It feels like there's a different fight with this team, and I think you look at a lot of the close losses, and it's like, man, they're just one play away from really kind of changing these games. It's one stop that they didn't get or one bad shot late down the, the stretch where, you know, the experience in being in close games will help you in future close games. And so the more they're in and the more ways they figure out how to lose – it's kind of process of elimination. Okay, we got that one out of the way. We got that one out. We got that one out. Now let's win one. Um, and so they're, they're getting there. They're getting close. I really, This is a really fun team to watch. Yeah, I remember, I believe it was the Iowa game. They It was a play to either tie the game or take the lead. And McDaniel had the ball, and she was right up under the net, and then she got to travel. And it's little mistakes like those that kept them 
just from getting to that point where they could have taken the game. Um, but it's been so fun to watch them. I think they're a really exciting team, and I think every game they're getting better, and I'm really excited to see how they close out the season. Also on Sunday night um, was the first home gymnastics meet, and it was against Michigan, and the gymnastics team clocked their first win over Michigan since 2007, which is a very big deal, and they had multiple gymnasts completely stand out, in my opinion. Um, they have their underclassmen, the roster that they have of underclassmen is incredible. Um, Nikki Smith had a 9-5 vault to start off the meet. Um, she won the all-around. She got first place in vault, and she just had an incredible day altogether. I don't know if either of you watched, but it was really incredible to see. Yeah, I, I wasn't able to catch that one because we were uh, down in Indiana. I was driving back, actually, uh, right after the, the game for men's basketball against Indiana. But I've, I've caught a lot of this gymnastics team last year and, and, and covered a lot of them and hopefully will moving forward this year for Big Ten Plus. And, um, you know, I think lost in all the fact that first win over Michigan since 2007 is they beat the number three team in the country. You know, Michigan is no slouch at all. And that goes for any, you know, Michigan program and their athletic department. But, you know, it, it, it's it's a huge win for this team. And last season kind of felt like a dream season for them. And they went to the regionals in the NCAA tournament. And they set so many program records as the season progressed. They just kept beating themselves and getting better and better and better. And head coach Mike Rowe talked about it and that, you know, he's so proud of his team and the women on that team that have worked so hard. Um, and I don't, I, I, coming into this season, it kind of felt like, you know, last year was their big year. Can they repeat it? Will they be roughly around the same? Maybe will they lose a step? You know, it's easy to have a big season like that a season ago and, you know, step back. And it's understandable. Nobody would blame them. But with the way they've started this year, I mean, being close against number seven Alabama down in uh, Alabama and then beating number three Michigan, like, it's they've set themselves up very well to do even better than they did last year. Um, and I know they felt like they fell sh short at the NCAA tournament. Um, and I know a lot of the women on this team are hungry and were there last year and are hungry to get back to that and, and even, you know, go beyond what they did. And they've really set themselves up in a fantastic spot. They're so much fun to watch. Even if you don't know anything about gymnastics, it's a joy to just kind of sit back and watch what, these women do and how talented they are. You know, I have frequently found myself in arguments with other sports fans and roommates and parents about, you know, the hardest sport in the world, the age old debate, whether it's hockey or golf or boxing. I am a huge advocate that gymnastics is in the top three for sure. It is so difficult what these women do and just how good they are at it. And for so young, you talked about the freshman class. They've got 18 and 19 year olds out here doing stuff that Olympians are doing and, and doing it at as high a level, if not better. And so it's really fun to watch. I, I have so much fun covering this team a lot. Yeah, I would say that they are just incredible. And gymnastics is just a wonderful sport to watch. Like, you can't replicate that anywhere. Like, you can play basketball, you can go out and play hockey with friends. You cannot do what they do. Like, they are just incredible. And especially Nikki Smith. Oh my God. Like, I wrote a piece on the gymnastics team over the summer and she was just starting it was like their first couple workouts of the year and everybody was like you got to talk to her she's going to be a star and I was so excited I was able to talk to her and she is like just watching her warm up and 
she's doing her bar routine i think and i was just like it's incredible how they can just move like that in the air and they're so high in the air too it's like i don't know how they come down without falling like that i mean that's a sport but they are just so good at it and she has been incredible this season too she was an all-around champion against mm-hmm. michigan i believe yeah. yeah she's just off to a great start and i think she's gonna continue with this whole season yeah and i know i spoke to coach Rowe after that meet and he was talking about how many amazing gymnasts he has on his roster and he's like it comes down to a game time decision like who's gonna be competing on what because there are so many incredible gymnasts and there's going to be more coming in next year and they're all competing at such a high level trying to keep those spots and supporting each other while doing it it's really really incredible to see i think the big thing too was the crowd that was there obviously it helps being against michigan and that's an in-state rivalry and you're always going to get a bigger crowd for the in-state games but that was a sold out jenison and mike rowe had said it that you know he's never seen it like that and even last year they didn't have any uh meets like that where where the full crowd was there and they were into it and and gymnastics is so much fun and and the the crowd really can get behind it and i think what makes it fun for those that don't watch gymnastics is you know when a a woman is doing whatever routine it is whether it's the vault or the floor or the beam her teammates are all right there watching and cheering her on and they go nuts. They go crazy and it's great reactions and it really brings the crowd into it too. Um, and it makes it a very fun event to catch in person for any students listening. They definitely have to try um, and go to a gymnastics meet at some point this year uh, because it really is, is a lot of fun and you can learn a lot, but yeah, the, the crowd really, I think they fed off of that um, on Sunday and, and that was such a cool moment for them too. Yeah, the crowd was incredible, and you do not need to know gymnastics to understand just looking at it how amazing it is and how like mesmerizing. Yeah, you it is can to watch. you can tell. I mean, they're athletes. You know, you can tell. You don't have to know anything about soccer to know a good soccer play. Mm-hmm. You can tell. It's the same thing with gymnastics. You can tell when someone kills a routine and kills a landing and sticks it that they just did a good job, and that's going to be a big score. Yeah, and the energy in the room when something like that happens. Oh yeah, it's incredible. So. Uh, Moving on to hockey, they had um, a bye weekend this past weekend, but the weekend before, they took on Penn State at home, number five, I believe they were ranked. Um, And that was a great series. I think they played really well all together, um, and that was coming off of a pretty long road losing streak for them. Um, that um, losing streak that w- they went on, I know um, some people that I talked to were having some issues keeping faith in the team. And it, it is hard when they, at the weekend before, they were blown out by Ohio State. But coming back and having that huge win over Penn State helped restore some of the faith in the team, I think. And the energy at Munn was insane. I was there. I think they play so incredibly at Munn. And I think, again, the energy has something to do with it. Mm -hmm. I think a a big thing for this team, and a lot of talks about this, you know, we've here on the Green and White Report, our our, uh, Sunday morning sports talk show in this very room, we've talked about this hockey team and, you know, are they back? You know, that that age-old question, oh, Michigan State hockey's back. Well, they were winning a national championship almost a decade ago. So back, I don't know that they're at that level yet. They're in the the USCHO poll as the top 15 team in the country, and that's kind of where they've been all year. 
Um, and they're much better than they were last year, undoubtedly, hands down. Adam Nightingale has done an amazing job in his first year here, and you can see not just the play style change, but the culture switch that has happened with this team. And it's easy to see because there were a lot of returners who have, I think, been a lot better than maybe some of us expected. Um, and Nightingale has just done a fantastic job. The big thing is, though, like you mentioned, they play so well at Munn, they got to learn how to win on the road. Now, they did win at Penn State earlier in the year um, when they split with the Nittany Lions, but you know they lose against Michigan on the road close, and then not even on the road, but in, at the Great Lakes Invitational in Grand Rapids, that was a really bad showing. 4-2 to Ferris State and then 2-3 in overtime to Michigan Tech. You had to feel like they were going to win one of those games going into it, um, and, and that was just a poor performance followed by the, the, the bad road showing against Ohio State. But they, they, they picked themselves up with, with the wins over Penn State. Again, now they're on the road. they got to take on one of the best teams in the country in Minnesota. Um, I think if this team really wants to prove themselves this season, um, they have to win one of these games against Minnesota. They have to at least split uh, against the top three team in the country. I don't know that that's going to happen. but uh, And, you know, if they don't, win anything on the road this season and they don't necessarily quote-unquote prove themselves this season that's okay they have proven that they've gotten better and that they're back at a level where they can compete on given days with the best teams in the Big Ten and the Big Ten is you know in my opinion the best uh, conference for college hockey so if they can do that then they'll be fine yeah I think we have established that every sport the Big Ten teams can just beat up on each other on any given day um, but I guess every team has its you know skids where it'll win a bunch and then lose a bunch and I think this is just hockey's you know they started out pretty strong and now they're on they were on that losing streak before Penn State so I think I mean I think you're right the Minnesota series is going to be very telling I mean they went up against Minnesota about a month ago and that did not go well even being home so the Minnesota series will be a very true road test for them but um, just because they've lost a few in a row I wouldn't necessarily be you know sending the alarm bells out I think that every team has its you know few weeks where they just aren't on their game but this will be pretty telling and um, I think you're very right that this they have made so much progress with Adam Nightingale and just the fact that they're able to bounce back from a showing at Ohio State like they did against Penn State is uh, very telling on the culture change that they've been able to turn it around yeah and it is it's coach Nightingale's first year as as he stays in East Lansing and as he continues training with the team you can only hope that they're going to get better just seeing what he's done so far um, there's some great recruits coming in in next year I think um, no matter how the season ends you just have to be glad that it's in a better place than it was last year and I know you're talking about some players who stayed who you see get better um, I mean Jagger Joshua had a hat trick against Penn State I want to say he got he's had more points this year than he had his entire previous time here at MSU and I think that just says a lot about the progress that he's made as a player yeah he was he was not really an offensive player at all for Michigan State in the first couple of years you know find a goal find an assist here and there any player does for the most part but he was more of a bruiser guy he'd be on he'd be on kind of the 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 checking line and he would come in and and you know, lay the wood on somebody and kind of set the tone maybe for Michigan State defensively, really good on the four check, would get some turnovers in the opposing zone. Um, 
but the the offensive surge that he has had this year shows how much he has put in. And I think what's been really impressive is obviously the big news that happened with him this season mm-hmm. and everything that went on with Camille Sedloka from Ohio State and the racial slur and all the publicity that Jager got. He has been just as good as he has all season throughout all of that. You know, mm-hmm. it makes more than enough sense for his production to maybe dwindle a little bit um, after the drama with Ohio State. And if anything, it's gotten better. I mean, the hat trick against against Penn State, um, you know, he had a couple goals in the GLI too. He, he's been very fun to watch, and he always was. And when you add in his physicality to the offense that he can produce for Michigan State now, he's really become an all-around skater, and it's been very helpful for them. Yeah, and I know earlier in the season, I believe it was um, – I'm trying to remember what game it was. There was a game earlier in the season um, where Coach Nightingale had taken him off the roster for the night because he was racking up penalty minutes. He was leading the country in penalty minutes. And um, you definitely see their their penalty kill did get better during the Penn State series, but it, it was pretty bad. They weren't doing very well on the penalty kill, and he was scratched for the time that he spent in the box. And since he came back from that, you can tell that he is definitely being a little more mindful of, okay, is this going to send me off the ice? Like, And you can see that in his playing. And I think he's definitely gotten better in that, um, spent less time in the box, and keeping them off the penalty kill is definitely a plus. Yeah, Nightingale used that as a coaching moment and a way for Jager to realize like you're being selfish when you do this, you know. He he's like I said had the bruiser kind of calling card and was out there to be physical and set the tone and that will naturally lead to penalties. A lot of guys in the NHL and college hockey, you know, over the course of history have just that have had that, you know, same personality on the ice have led the league or their respective divisions or conferences or whatever in penalty minutes. And Jager was no different, but that had to change this year. And it took a while for Jager to, you know, rear back a little bit and realize that what you're doing is putting your own team at a disadvantage. And these guys that you're in practice with and you're working your butt off with every single day, you know, you're letting them down when you do that. And you're making them work harder. They got to work without a whole other teammate on the ice when you go get a penalty. And so I think he used that as a teaching moment for Jager to really have that realization firsthand. Um, you know, he's not someone who should ever be a, a healthy scratch from the lineup. And so that, that was kind of obvious when that happened, you know, what the meaning was behind it. And like you said, it's worked so far. And that's another credit to Nightingale. He knows how to handle players and he seems like a really good players coach. And, and like the guys respect him and understand the lessons he's trying to teach them. Um, and it's led to some success. Yeah, speaking on penalties, this is kind of going back to talking about the Minnesota series. Last time they played Minnesota, there were no penalties the entire series, which I've never personally seen before. There's, uh, I, that's great. I sure hope that doesn't happen again because yeah. they're they're like not playing hockey at that point. I'm I'm curious to see how it will play out if they get um, penalties. I'm curious to see how that game will go. Um, that was just a crazy thing that I've never thought I would see happen, and. I'm curious to see how it plays out in this coming weekend. Yeah, especially on the road, too. You know, hockey is one of those sports where it's – it's. I think it's a little more potent in, in sports like maybe football or basketball. It feels like the home team gets an advantage. I don't know that that necessarily translates to hockey as much as other sports. But 
you never know. And with, like you said, we have no gauge because there weren't any penalties in the first series. So we have no clue what to expect and how these teams are going to go against each other in the special teams. But that's been the focus for Michigan State in practice lately is getting better on the power play, getting better on the penalty kill, um, and especially the power play. They need a lot more offense there. They, they've been bad the past couple of years in the power play. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how it goes when that whistle hopefully evidently blows. One can only hope. Well, thank you, Brendan. Thank you, Jenna. I really appreciate you guys coming on the podcast to talk with me. Um, I'm Bella Johnson. This has been the Sports Roundtable Podcast. You can catch it wherever you get your podcasts.